Okay, hello and welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. I am Jamie Finch-Penninger and I am joined today by David Hunter, cycling mole, multimedia sensation across all the various platforms. <laughs> David, g'day. How's it going? Yeah, going well down here. Racing is in full swing, it seems, um, and we're on to our first World Tour race of the season. Um, is it exciting to see somebody other than an Australians going around? Yes, yeah, can't wait. Uh, today, obviously, was just a little teaser with the People's Choice, but really looking forward to getting up at two in the morning. <laughs> well, as we said last time, a bit of payback for all the other races <laughs> throughout the season. Um, yeah, um, as, as you mentioned there, uh, the People's Choice Classic has been run and won by who else but Caleb Ewan. Um, Sagan gave him a bit of a show, though. Looks like he might... Um, might challenge him for that win there, but um, there was there was as you alluded to on your YouTube video, David. There's some conjecture about whether he was leading Sam Bennett out or going for the sprint himself. Uh, I th- I think he was just doing a, a fairly bad lead out because he he was in front of him and he was looking around for Bennett as you said, but he just didn't um, go to go early enough. He was um, waiting until like, the final 200 meters, like he normally would in a sprint. So I'm I'm not I'm not so certain he was. He was pretty- yeah. Uh, as you said, that if if he was riding a lead out, it was it was garbage. To be honest, he he, he didn't do any leading out. They, they did seem to be working together, and then Bennett just caught got caught behind. But to be honest, when Sagan moved with Ewan, Bennett was nowhere near kind of following that jump, uh, and Sagan doesn't have the form just now to go past Ewan in the sprint. Uh, it was another impressive shown by Orica and Ewan and the rest of the sprinters here have got something to do if they're going to win a stage in the, the Tour Down Under. Yeah, well, there's some decent signs from the other sprinters. I mean, Bennett in particular made up quite a bit of ground and um, probably the other one, Edward Turns, he, he looked pretty good. Um, though Trek's lead out wasn't amazing for him, but he, he did okay. So, yeah, I think there will be some competition, maybe a bit more than last year where it was uh, Nitzola who was really the only guy who looked okay against Ewan, but even he's, you know, not, not in the same calibre there. Um, okay, I think we'll do a quick look at the Nationals and we'll come back with that. Okay, we're back with a very, very quick look at the Nationals. Um, David, what, what's your impression of our, you know, local racing firm overseas uh, I know it can be a bit tough to watch it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I managed to get to watch the the road race, uh, which not everybody managed to do. So that was quite good to watch the men's road race. Obviously, the break went away, and I had some big names. McCarthy obviously felt that it was a day for the breakaway, and he, he rolled the dice and he took his chance, and it really looked like the break would stick. And then all of a sudden, they had a really slow lap. Was that maybe three? three or four out, they had a really slow lap and all of a sudden from being about a three minute gap, the peloton were on them and they were caught, which was a surprise. Dudbridge was insanely strong. I mean, clearly the strongest rider uh, on the day. They managed to hold it all together almost to, to let Geddon sprint for the victory, but an outstanding attack by Miles Scotts and that really was something to behold. A perfect timing, uh, really good road management, uh, there was a few others who looked strong. I thought Nathan Errol looked really good, but I, I don't like to use the word naive, but his attacks 
did seem a little bit desperate. He he just went too early. Durbridge still had some legs in him, and it's all very good looking back. But he needed to wait until Durbridge was out before he tried to attack, much like Scotson did. But in the heat of the moment, obviously, he had good legs and he wanted to go. But it was impressive by Earl. It was impressive by Durbridge, McCarthy. Obviously, Scotson the winner. Canty. If he managed to actually count the laps properly, he might have won. Who knows? But uh, there's a, a good few riders seem to be in form. Yeah, it would have been very interesting to see what would have happened um, if Canty had made that attack on the final lap um, because he poured it all in there. And unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, we all saw what happened there on the finish line. He's pumping his fist. He's looking back. He's smiling. And then the bell goes and he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Yeah, so hopefully hopefully he gets a chance to redeem himself there, here, and I think he's got a decent chance of doing it. But anyway, we'll go through the results. Um, in the under-23 men, it was Sam Jenner winning uh, from winning solo in a very impressive late attack. He was um, a bit over 30 kilometres by himself. And then leading the bunch home, it was Alex Porter uh, from South Australia. And he's also a very good track rider. And Lucas Hamilton, who was the big favourite going into the race, but I think suffered from being marked by everyone else out there. And he, he showed that he's improved his sprinting and he's he's done very well to play second to Porter twice in those sprints, once in the Criterium and once in the road race. So good on him. And I think Lucas Hamilton's got a big future ahead of him, which he'll show maybe starting at the TDU. We shall see. Um in the elite men, as we referenced, it was Miles Scottson with an absolutely superb attack in the final, uh, I think it was two kilometres, maybe maybe even slightly less than that, to take the win. He, it was amazing seeing that attack because he shaved the uh, shoulder of Nathan Earl as he, as he um, went from the back to the front and just built up a superb amount of momentum. Luckily, nobody got in his way during that. Otherwise, it would have brought half that final finishing bunch down. And... He managed to hold off, and as you mentioned, Simon Gerrans outsprinted Nathan Haas for um, the minor placings with Cam Bailey there as well, local local Australian rider with without a pro contract, and he showed that he should be you know one to keep an eye on, and he'll be doing some racing with the not the UniSA team but the equivalent, the quarter Mentha real estate national team. So um, he, you'll see him in the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road Race, and presumably he'll be racing with um, Ice Away Swiss Wellness in the Herald Sun Tour. So some names to watch out for there. Were there any um, names that you didn't really know, uh, David, that surprised you? Uh, not really. I think Dybul's effort to get across was outstanding. Another one who would have been really frustrated uh, the break didn't stay away. That was a, a massive effort by him. Cam Meyer looked really strong. I don't think there was any kind of surprise. I suppose Canty a little bit would have been a surprise considering it was just him and one other teammate. It was nice that Pat's Veg actually kind of put the work in for him as well. So I think probably Canty was the the surprise package for me. Of course, Scotsman winning was quite a surprise as well. Well, yes, of course. Um, yeah, I think we saw why they don't let feeder teams and... Um and senior teams race together because Drapek and uh, Drapek, uh, Cannondale Drapek and Pat's Veg Drapek were working very closely together. And you could see that they were really trying to set it up for Brendan Canty um, in those final few laps. Unfortunately, they just got the count wrong. Um, 
yeah, I think that wraps up pretty much the action from there. Ben Dibble, of course, as you mentioned, very. He, oh, it's always it's always bad luck with Ben Dibble, and you you feel for him. I wrote, I wrote a very long article on on him, which has gone up on Cycling Tips. So check that out. I would encourage you to do so. Um, and we'll see if we can get him a pro contract in the next few years. So keep on talking him up, and eventually somebody will realise his immense talent and you know, go and pick him up. Okay, um, that should just about do us for nationals. We'll come back and look at the stages of the Tour Down Under. Okay, looking at the stages of the Tour Down Under, and it starts with that run into Lindock there, from Unley to Lindock at a distance of 145 kilometres. Um, that was the stage last year where we saw Caleb Ewan uh, take the take the victory and he absolutely gapped the field there with his sprint. Um, it was Sean Lake, I remember, spent a long time in the break, which was exciting for us local Australians, um, seeing somebody of that immense talent um, get in the breakaway and show his wares. Um, unfortunately, he hasn't he hasn't quite progressed um, as much as we thought he would, and he didn't do a great job in the Nationals time trial this year. But, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he goes. Anyway, I'm, t I'm going on a tangent here. Uh, so we'll get back to discussing the stage. Yeah, not too hard, David, um, and it should be one for the sprinters at the end. It should. I think the main worry is 36 degrees heat in the baking sun. That seems to be... I think the hottest day of the, the Tour Down Under and some of these European sprinters are going to fry on the road, especially the ones that have only arrived in the last couple of days. It's, it's not an overly difficult stage. It's a little bit up and down. It should really be a, a bunch sprint. We have seen in the past teams lean on Orica and Orica have not been too keen to work all day long for the sprint. But as we've mentioned, there were a few teams who were challenging today in the People's Choice Classic, so I would expect to see Bora and uh, Trek in particular help out. So I think we'll get the sprint and it, it's going to be Caleb Ewan. I mean, unless something incredible happens, unless one of these Europeans can somehow manage to beat him, even Sagan isn't going to beat him just now. I think every sprint stage is Ewan's to lose. Yeah, um, I full-heartedly agree there. Um, there's some good names, obviously, in the rest of the sprinters, like you mentioned. Um, who are we on? We've got uh, ben, Bennett from Bora or Sagan, Edward Toons from Trek. You mentioned him earlier. He was going well. Uh, he's actually a good friend of mine. He's he's really happy that he's back racing after a terrible back injury at the Tour de France. There's a few others. I mean, Bonifacio was good today. Renshaw was actually looking really strong today. He got in Caleb's wheel until I think Sagan barged him off near the end. Renshaw, I think he finished second here last season. He's got so much experience. You're talking about, I was talking about the, the sun and the heat. It's not going to be a problem for him. I would imagine Renshaw will get better as the race uh, progresses. I could see him finishing on the podium easily in this stage. Yeah, and another guy who you mentioned there, uh, Niccolo Bonifazio, um, is very good in Australian conditions. He was third at the Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road Race last year, and he won't be phased if it's if it's hot. So I wouldn't be surprised to see something good from him. He's a very talented rider. He probably doesn't have the top end speed, but um, he could be he could be good if it's a hard day. Okay, uh, moving on to the second stage here, and 
I was speaking to Matt White, Orica Scott DS, not so long ago, and he reckons this is the stage where it's all going to come come apart because there are five laps of Sterling. Normally, Sterling is the finishing point, and there's that little, well, little, there's that uphill sprint there into town. And we've seen the likes of Michael Matthews win there in the past, um, Gerrans, and also, you know, that sort of rider essentially taking the win there. Um, it's 148.5 k's and it finishes in Paracombe, which we've seen before as well. It's a very nasty, just shy of two kilometer climb there. And we saw Dennis win up there in the past and Cadell Evans was second, I think, attacking out of that group. And it should be one which is going to favor the more the climbers than the punchers. I think we've seen that in the past. And I don't think that's going to change on this edition, especially with those extra laps of Sterling there. Uh, David, what do you think of the course? I think it's got potential to be the hardest stage in the history of the Tour Down Under. It is, it is really, really challenging. As you mentioned, the laps of Sterling, which is just almost constantly going uphill, uh, definitely not easy and then this kind of 9% finish in Paracombe which was really exciting the last time for the top riders it just doesn't seem long enough to, to gap the kind of best 4 or 5 last time here we saw Port going up with Evans and Possevivo and they couldn't get rid of each other Port and Evans marked each other out and then eventually when the group came from behind Dennis popped off and, and took the win for me, it does seem like a kind of four or five man group there. Uh, if it really slows down again, we could see the, the group from behind coming together. But I totally agree with what Matt White told you. I think this this is the day. And I think what we saw from Dennis in 2015 was that it is possible to go to Wollonga Hill and defend your, your overall lead. Whoever takes this stage is going to be right in the box seat to take out the jersey overall. Uh, it will be hard to dislodge them. Having two riders, having two very strong riders, is going to be a positive, like it was for uh, for Dennis and Evans back in 2015. And there are a number of teams have got two riders. Uh, again, Dennis turns up as the second in command with Port ahead of him. Sky have got two strong riders. Orica have got Gerens and Chavez. A lot of chat about who will actually be leader. Uh, who does the climb actually suit? Uh, I'm sure you might know that one, Jamie. Uh, we are local knowledge there. Um, yeah, I'm getting the impression they're going away from Gerens for this one. There's a reason they've got Chavez turning up in good form, um, unlike any of his previous seasons in the World Tour. And I think that's because they're looking at races like this, the Tour Down Under, and they're looking at the Herald Sun Tour, and they're saying, well, this is more for the pure climbers than than ever we've seen before. And I think that I think um, the second stage there is going to reflect that. Um, Gerens, maybe they'll keep him in their back pocket. If he stays close enough, then they'll do their normal time bonus uh, rating thing and try and, you know, scooch up a bit there on the GC. But I think they're looking at Chavez and putting most of the, most of their eggs in that basket, maybe one or two eggs in the other, in the Gerens basket. But it'll be interesting to see how they go there. Um, yeah, well, that... That stage should give us a lot better idea of what to expect for the rest of the tour. And it will be the stage three next, the 144-kilometre roll from Glenelg to Victor Harbour. I say roll, but it's actually quite tough at the start. And I remember last year, the 
It's a pity we don't have Pat Shaw here, by the way. Um, Pat Shaw um, is on holidays with his family and has pretty dodgy internet where he is, so he unfortunately couldn't join us. Um, but he was in the break um, last year on this stage, um, and he said it was one of the tough... I remember at the time he was saying that it was one of the toughest efforts he's ever had to do to get in that break because as they go through the Adelaide Hills there, there's a really steep hill, and they just gunned it straight up there. I think for memory it was Matt Heyman on the front at the time, and it was you know, everyone was struggling to get over that first hill. And after that, the break went. Um, there is a little kick up towards the end and that has proven to, you know, dislodge quite a bit of the peloton. It probably won't be hard enough to be a launching pad for anyone to get away, but it should tire, tire out the legs. And we saw last year that was enough for Simon Gerrans to take the win in the sprint. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes this year. Um, David, what was your what's your opinion on how hard the stage is? Uh, as you said, the, the main difficulty comes early. Uh, it could be a good day for the breakaway, and that's not something we hear very often for the Tour Down Under. We see very few breakaway stages. With the big GC stage coming the day before, and especially with the laps of Stirling, we might see some riders quite far down on GC, uh, which will give us a different dynamic for that day. Certainly, it would be a good day to go in the break. The, the finish, it's got uh, a lap circuit in Victor Harbour. The two climbs you mentioned, 1.7 kilometres at 2.5% and 1.3 kilometres at 3.7%. Not really long enough or hard enough to dislodge any sprinters. If the break is brought back, it should be, it should be a relatively big bunch sprint, I would think. Yeah, and that's pretty much the same names as we've been mentioning already. Ewan should probably get out of those climbs. I mean, it's nothing too hard, but then again, he's he's shown in the past that you know he can get dropped on on the hard days of of racing. And apart from that, most of the climbers, most of the sprinters here rather, can climb a bit. So I wouldn't be surprised to see most of them make it here. And you know, it could be a day for somebody like Bonifacio, as we mentioned earlier. It's going to rain as well. I think uh, they're saying it might rain, which is uh, it will suit the Belgians. Uh, Edward Toons will love a bit of rain for this uh, this stage. Well, they also said it was going to be a one in ten year storm the other day, and it turned out to be a bit of rain. So, <laughs> weather forecast, you know that old chestnut. So, um, on to stage four now, and it's Norwood to Campbelltown, and yeah, and another another tricky stage, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens here. I mean. I think we've seen the break be successful here before. Um, back when it was Jack Bobbridge uh, coming into coming into uh, the town first and leading the breakaway over the line, it was it's quite hard to shut down a break over those final kilometres there. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, again, I think we're looking at very similar riders to the ones we've mentioned already. Maybe a bit of an easier a bit of an easier run in for most of the sprinters there. Uh, for Sagan it's good because uh, if it's the same finish as when Bobridge won it's got that uphill kick in the last kilometre uh, and Sagan's a really good team player and I think he probably was leading out Bennett today he certainly wasn't going full blast for the win Sagan will want to do the job of giving Bennett his opportunity but the organisers of the Tour Down Under and the sponsors of Bora will probably want to see him go for at least one uh, victory, and I think 
that finish of all of them is the best for him. Kind of a kind of two percent kick in the last five hundred, six hundred meters sounds perfect for Sagan, and that could be the day where uh, he beats Ewan. Yeah, it's pretty we don't get Michael Matthews out to any of these Australian races because that's the sort of finish he'd love as well. But anyway, yeah, I can't I can't see too far past Sagan at that stage, especially after he's had a few days to get his legs warmed up and going. So yeah, I agree there. Uh, stage five is, of course, the Wollonga Hill stage and two ascents of Wollonga, pretty much standard. Uh, they, Depending on how hard they go up the first time, it, it can split up on that next little bit, especially if there's some wind because it's quite windy around that circuit that they do um, around to get back to the bottom of Wollonga Hill. And we've seen a number of teams, I think Astana have, Astana have been... Um, prominent in the past in splitting it up and it sh yeah it should be an interesting stage as, as always uh, especially if the especially if the gc is still in contention um of of course it's been richie port's playground in the past um, do you see any signs of of that changing david three in a row is quite amazing i mean it used to be geddens geddens hill and now clearly it's not it's richie's hill uh there's been differing accounts as to whether or not Port is is here to win or if he's here just to, to make up the numbers. I've seen a fairly recent interview where he said he is determined to go well here. Uh, however, I've heard from other people saying that he's not too bothered. So it will really depend on his motivation. Uh, I, I would imagine he'll want to go four in a row uh, in Wollonga Hill. The big question is, can anybody can anybody cope? Can anybody go with him? Hinao, almost managed to stay with them last year and just exploded. I think Port was about to stop his big power effort just as Hinao started to lose ground. So uh, Hinao was close last season and it would be fun to see if Chavez can go with him. If Chavez is in good form, uh, can Gerens get dragged across? Can BMC pull the one-two with Dennis just following whoever tries to tag on to Richie? Certainly there's there's a, a stronger depth to the, the, the start list this season compared to previous years. So I don't think it is a foregone conclusion that Port will just smash his way up the hill and take his fourth win there. Uh, but I think that probably is the most likely scenario. Yeah, what we've seen in the past few seasons has been the pace set up until about two kilometres into the climb and then Richie Port just hits them with 1k to go and rides away from pretty much everyone else who's there. It if there's a bit less control, then that might open it up for somebody else to get away and show themselves. Um, Lucas Hamilton, for instance, last year um, jumped away, uh, the young Australian uh, rider. And yeah, he he had his 30 seconds of fame then, um, where everyone was frantically looking up pro cycling stats and going, who the hell is this guy? Um, but he's yeah, he's a very accomplished rider and he'll be, he'll be there with the UniSA team this year. Um, yeah, I think... Oh, well, we, we've got one more stage to go, but the less said about that, the better. Stage six <laughs> is the 90-kilometre stage around the Adelaide city centre, and it does have a king of the mountains point, but it is almost an insult to call that um, anything worth climbing points. It's a slight false flat, and it doesn't really affect anyone who is riding at this level of the World Tour. So, yeah, there's there's that loop and they can they complete that and then go down into the finish straight there a massive wide road um into the finishing line and it's a slight kick kick up 
towards the finish, but nothing, nothing dramatic at all. And we should be seeing the same sprinters that we've been talking about fighting it out there. Um, it is great though for the crowds that you get around the around that circuit. There, it's normally uh, three or four deep around for most of the course, and it's great to see you know people getting out getting out for cycling in Australia. Yeah, good opportunity. The, the, the crit races are always good for fans to get out and see riders uh, a number of times. It can be a, a touch boring for TV viewers, but cycling isn't just about TV fans. It's about getting people out on the road. So uh, I'll look forward to another win for Caleb Ewan. I can't disagree there. Anyway, let's transition into chat about the contenders for the race. And really, this is the the um, meat and veg of the of the podcast um so we've talked about Guerra and Chavez and who's going to go that well there we think probably Chavez but you know Guerra's obviously been good here so many times um Dennis and Port Dennis obviously took out the national time trial but he was saying afterwards that you know he, he hadn't exactly made it a massive target and he wasn't at his most fit. He's looking to do the Giro later in the year. I'm not sure he's going to come. I'm not sure he's actually in his absolute best form at the moment. And it'll be interesting to see how he goes. I mean, obviously he's won. He's won the. He's won the race in the past, so you can't discount him. Um, what What are your opinions on BMC there? It's, it's funny. There's just so many question marks. Like, why did Why did Richie not ride uh, nationals? That hasn't really been answered yet is it because he wanted to save himself for this race is it because he didn't actually think he had uh, much of an opportunity uh, it's it's kind of funny one the same goes for Dennis as we mentioned he's mentioned that he's not kind of here to to be on brilliant form however uh, yeah, I think I think he's talking down his chances deliberately his time trial was very impressive I think it was faster than the year before he beat Durbridge by about a minute and as we witnessed in the road race Durbridge is insanely strong just now so I think his time trial was actually really good from the pictures that I've seen he's looking really thin like I don't think I've ever seen Dennis look as skinny which obviously is going to be a big help going up Paracoom I don't know about BMC obviously we could have two riders in sensational form or we could have two riders who are uh, looking at targets further down the line. I think that's the beauty of the Tour Down Under, but usually the Australians are always in good form. So I would be amazed if Port and Dennis are not uh, sandbagging a bit and are going to come out all guns blazing. Either one of them could win this race, I think. Yeah, I'm just looking at my my top riders that I've got written down here, and yeah, most of them are Australian, and I think you often see that reflected in the leaderboard. Um, I'm going to throw a few names out out there. Can we can we um, eliminate these names, please, from discussion? Um, first of all, first off, Peter Sagan. Can we please eliminate his name? Because no chance. <sighs> Absolutely no chance. He's got. He's like that's just it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous statement that people think he can actually. To, to do this, I know on paper, if this was the two of the, if this was July, he would, you know, have a good chance. But he's he's not here to win. Yeah. Oh God. There we go. I, I thought you were saying there's no possible way we can eliminate him. Like, <laughs> no, you're on that bandwagon as well. Um, uh, Wilco Kelderman or Keldermerks. Can we eliminate him? Yeah. Get rid of him. He's. This isn't for him. Um. 
Geraint Thomas is one who has been going, going well here in the past, but with his GC aspirations these days, um, probably a bit too early. Yeah, although he has been in Australia for a number of weeks, more so than most of the other riders. Uh, however, I think he'll be riding for Sergio Hino. Um, which brings us on to... Oh, yeah, Vakoc and Brambia from um, Edix, well, not Edix, Quickstep, uh, Quickstep Floors these days. Um, I'd, I'd suggest they're probably ones not for this sort of climbing terrain. They're a bit more bit more for you know the punchier races but i don't know um what's your what's your thoughts on them both talented riders of course both very good riders vakoch is probably just a bit big i think that's what you're, you're alluding to there he's, he's he's a larger rider more kind of ardennes style uh guy i think Molonga hill is probably right on his limit in terms of the length of climb brambia on top form would be a contender he was impressive in January last season. He took a race in Mallorca. But coming over from Italy, I think Brambia and Vakoc probably will do well to make the top 10. Uh, here we go. Here's one that, you, that you'll that you shoot down, no doubt. Diego Ulisi. Oh, we don't know what we're going to get. Third, what was he? Third in 20, was it 2014, 2015? He was really good last season he was disappointed he finished 11th but he still did a good performance on Wollonga on paper should do well here however new team not sure about his motivation uh yeah not going to win the race okay well now we get into the the real discussion of people who can actually win um Let's yeah. Let's look at Hanau. I mean, I'm not I'm not totally convinced with Hanau is that ha, sorry that Hanau is going to be coming here in amazing form. Obviously, he was very good last year, but his season post that wasn't anything to write home about. And I'm I'm thinking that Team Sky would most likely want to make use of his talents in those Grand Tours, and I'll be surprised if they haven't changed up changed it up a bit so he's a bit more fresh for those later races but I'm prepared to be entirely proved wrong on that because obviously he's a very strong climber yeah and he is he will be supported by his cousin Sebastian uh, and Geraint Thomas so Sky have a very strong outfit you mentioned potential crosswinds on Wollonga uh, they clearly have a team made for that they've got Rowan they've got Stanard so they've got two very experienced riders in windy conditions the the stage to Paracum, I think, is made for Henau. When it gets up to 9-10%, he is one of the best in the peloton. We've seen him in the Tour of the Basque Country and a number of reasons, a number of years now just go much better than even riders like Contador and Rodriguez. So I think Henau has a really good chance of taking the Paracum stage because he also has a fast sprint. So if we get up to the top of that hill and it's a sprint from maybe four or five riders he would stand a really good chance of taking something out there. So I, I think he is going to be one of the big contenders for the race. Okay. Um, Jay McCarthy, I turned up um, at Nationals and saw him by the side of the road. I've never seen him looking skinnier and fitter. He looks like he could, you know, potentially uh, win the race. Uh, I think the the more climbing, uh, the worse it is for McCarthy, who prefers to um, be in those sort of, Small bunch kick, uh, small bunch kick situations, and maybe surprising some of the others. But it'll be interesting to see how he goes here. Um, any quick thoughts? A real strong contender, I think. Uh, P 
people were saying, oh, look at his performance last season in Malunga. It was really disappointing. He got dropped. He's only young. Last season was the first time he was really contending for a race like this. A year on, he will be uh, more experienced. He will know how to manage his efforts. He had a good hit out at the, the Nationals, and I think he's one that comes in with a, a fair weight of expectancy, put it that way. I think we can see him challenging for the top five. Mm. Um, Brendan Canty obviously showed that he's got some form with a, with a really impressive attack to get away on the wrong lap of the Nationals, and he's he's made the step up to the World Tour this year and it has shown that he's one of the best climbers. I think he probably needs it to be a bit of a harder race. I mean, he'll really be hoping that they go hard on Sterling and gives gives him that chance at Paracombe. Um, because he is more of a pure climber than some of the other names that we've probably mentioned here. But, yeah, I know a lot of people in, in Melbourne in particular have massive raps on Canty, and he should go well here. Um, David, opinions? Canty should do well, but he's, he's, he's going to find himself down the pecking order of his team. Michael Woods is there uh, following up last year's performance, which was the surprise of the race, I would say, even though there was some good uh, young performances last season. Uh, Woods goes in as team leader. They've also got former winner Tom Yelta-Schlachter. So Kante, I'm not sure where his role in the team will be. I think he'll be supporting certainly Woods, who's been going really well in training. Uh, and He's another one who arrives in Australia I think it was the 2nd of January he, he came over, so he's taken this very, very seriously. You know, almost two weeks he's been here. He's been going up Wollonga, he's been doing uh, Torrance Hill Road uh, and his training. When he was back in Girona, he was doing Wollonga-style efforts. So he was doing kind of six-minute climbs at 9% uh, on his training route in Girona. Uh, what I'm hearing from some of his teammates is that he is fully motivated to win this race. Yep, fair enough. Um, I think I think we've all seen that he's got the punch to win this sort of race. So be he's a very good pick to you know possibly end up near the podium if not on it. Um, Nathan Haas and Lachlan Morton, the Australian pair from Dimension Data, also also Ben O'Connor maybe. He, I mean, not not for the win, but maybe to, for a top ten and show how he's going because he's you know very good climber and he, and he showed last year in. Hultzavar, that he's got what it takes to go up against some big names and um, do a very impressive ride. Um, but, yeah, probably not for the win here. Um, Nathan Haas and Lachlan Morton then. Um, Haas probably would prefer it to be more of a normal tour down under than the one we've got here. Um, but his teammate, his loss should be Morton's gain. And, yeah, Morton on his, on his um, comeback to the World Tour. Can he do it? Uh I, I, I'm hearing a lot of Australians talk up Haas, which happened last season and he disappointed. And I'm hearing that he's in even better shape and he's even more motivated. And I just don't see it. I just don't see Haas being, even when he is going brilliant, I just don't see him coping uh, with the Paracombe stage. He lost time on uh, Cotscrew Road last year. Uh, he would have to be going sensationally well to challenge, I think. And even Wollonga, he's he's never quite managed to to hold the pace on Wollonga as well. Morton from the Nationals was easy. You, you know, he, he barely broke sweat. He just couldn't drop anybody on the climb. He just kept on attacking, but he couldn't get rid of them because the climb isn't hard enough. As long as his teammates don't chase him down, 
uh, he probably has a good chance of staying away. He is a dark horse, I would say, to to do a, a good ride here. Just think back to some of his performances last season, which was simply phenomenal in America. Uh, and if he's got the form like that, he could surprise, definitely. Yeah, and he might be a bit of out of sight, out of mind for a lot of the World Tour riders and even the Australian riders, because as you said, he's been, spent so much time over there in the States. Um, obviously, hope that he uh, comes back and you know has his mentality right to um, go for the World Tour again, because had a lot tru- had a lot of troubles the first time he went in with Garmin Sharp. So it will be interesting, and we hope for all the best for him. Um, who we got? Pozzavivo is a guy who often comes over to the Tour Down Under in decent shape, and this is probably his best chance ever of winning the race. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've actually got him quite high up on my list. Um, what's your opinion there, Dave? I agree. Uh, he's finished 7th and 6th and 7th, or 7th and 6th in the last couple of seasons. Uh, the two GC days is obviously better news for him. He always struggles because he lacks a sprint. Uh, and he can't pick up any bonus seconds. So having two climb-up days is great news for him. We've mentioned it before. Last time in Paracum, he was toe-for-toe with Port and Evans, uh, and he just got pipped on the line because Dennis came past him. So I think Positivo should be going really well, and he has a a decent teammate in Jan Bakelans, who had a strong season last year and will be a good support rider for him. Uh, Luis Manchez is another guy. Um, I think we see the best of him at the end of the season is the only thing with Luis. Um, but he, he's a very good rider, obviously, and, and, and an up-and-coming um, climber who, you know, on, on top form could be, could be the best of the guys here. Um, an intriguing prospect there. Brilliant rider. He just kind of goes into top tens and uh, grand tours. He's done two now. Um, the Vuelta... Uh, in 2015 and then the tour in 2016 he's got the riding style that I love he just stays at the back uh, on the climbs and as one person moves out the back he just slips past them up the line one and all of a sudden he's left with five guys around him however I think he's here for to ride for Elisi I think Elisi has a better chance of, of performing in this race than Mike Keys does he, he'll have targets further down the line mm. And then we've got a handful of young Australian riders in the UniSA team, and we're talking Lucas Hamilton, uh, Jai Hindley, Michael Storer, um, Cam Meyer, obviously not young, and who else? Nathan Earl is the other is the other guy on the UniSA team. Um, obviously, Cam Meyer's won here before. He won here with the UniSA team, um, believe it or not, back in was it 2011? I believe he was he won here. Um, can he repeat the dose? I mean, he was a he was an unknown quantity at that stage, but uh, these days people know who Cambo is, and obviously wants to have another go back on the road. Bit of a controversial selection, uh, him and Errol. I know a lot of people were disappointed that none of the Isoway boys were uh, there. I, I don't know what to make. I mean, a lot of people were saying Miles had his chance. Why is he getting another chance to show what he can do? Clearly, off nationals, he's in good form. Uh, he could surprise. He seemed to be going really well in the Nationals. The climb was easy for him. Nathan Errol, I think he's probably more of a surprise pick. Uh, they've decided to stay away from any of the sprinters, uh, which was probably a surprise. Errol will ride in support of Meyer, you've, you've got to imagine, and I think Meyer could could go top 10. 
and I would imagine, I would hope to see Lucas Hamilton go for the King of the Mountains jersey. Mm, well, he won the King of the Mountains in Tour de l'Avenir um, this year, so he's got some pedigree in that category. Um, yeah, as, you, as you're saying, um, Cam Meyer was a bit of a controversial pick. He was actually pre-selected along with the four young guys. Um, I can reveal that as a bit of inside scoop, um, and uh, which I think reflects that he is on very good form at the moment and um, Cycling Australia... Uh, essentially want to want him to get back onto the pro scene. I think there's probably a bit more going on than what was revealed at the time with dimension data. Um, I'm just not seeing a lack of motivation from Cam Meyer because that was what, that was what supposedly caused him to get off the bike, um, a lack of the love uh, for cycling. And I'm not seeing that from his current form and his current shape at the moment. So I don't know. Maybe he just needed a few months sabbatical to get his head clear, but he's looking on immense, um, immense form at the moment. And Nathan L as well. Um, he was very bullish about his chances going into the road race. Says this is the best form he's been in in his life. So yeah, I mean it's a strong UNESA team, and I think you'll see quite a lot of them throughout the week. Yeah, I think um, the mix of old, the mix of old and young is interesting. I still would have liked to have seen. Probably Earl not there, and somebody from Isoway given a chance. Yeah, well, fair enough. I mean, it's a tough job being a selector, and a lot easier to criticise, as I've I've learnt, um, which is why I do the criticising. Uh, <laughs> okay, um, into picks now, um, David. I mean, I know you obviously want to hold your picks to the to the um, subscribers of your. Uh, amazing betting uh what do you call it subscription service yeah um so i'll give my picks first and you can give me a rating on on my picks um i've got port up top followed by oh who was it oh uh yeah followed by uh michael woods pots of evo and then brendan canty in fourth just because I wanted to get, I wanted to give myself an extra one there. <laughs> Port is the overwhelming favourite currently with the bookies, for good reason, I think. Uh, Woods, yeah. Uh, although there, there has been a few question marks as to whether he can manage to do the same type of race as, as he did last year. Possivivo will love the two GC days. However, the lack of bonus seconds from him will probably cost him a, a podium spot. Uh, Kante, as I said, I, I just I think he's going to have to work for others. I'm looking towards riders who have a, a fast kick. Usually, the winner here is either Australian or a bit of a surprise. Uh, so I'm going to go against that logic, and I would go for Sergio Henao. I just he matches the profile. He can cope with the kind of eight percent, nine percent climbs. He has a good kick. Sky have a strong team. And I think he'll actually be competing against Rowan Dennis for the overall. I'm going to favour Dennis over Port. And that's based on the fact that we haven't seen Port and you're questioning his motivation to be right at the top of his game? Yes. One of my sources uh, told me that Port isn't too bothered about the tour down under now we'll have to wait and see whether that's correct or not but the fact he didn't ride nationals either than the time trial or the road race was a surprise to me and i think if he was 
planning on doing something here, he probably would have done at least one of them. And I think Dennis looks incredibly thin just now. And I don't believe what he's saying in terms of, oh, I'm, I'm not really training hard for this event. I think he looks on top form. Okay. And if you're looking for Smokies for the top 10, and um, you know, maybe even possibly sneaking into top three if if the riders let them go, I'll, I'll tip in the young... Young Australian riders, uh, Chris Hamilton and Lucas Hamilton, both obviously superb climbers, and I wouldn't be surprised at all to see them go well in this race. Um, is there any Smokey there who who you think deserves a call at shout out at at, at long odds? Uh, Jesus Harada of Movistar. They've got a good uh, track record in this race. They don't mind the heat. The Spanish riders. He's got a fast finish. Uh, I think he won a stage of the. Dauphiné this season, uh, good strong rider, and I think will definitely slip into the top ten. Yeah, that was an odd stage that he won at the Dauphiné. There, it appeared that um, a number of other riders had his measure, but he just kept on going and um, won that won that kind of mountain sprint there, which was an odd one. Yeah, I never know with Movistar who's going to be in form and who's not. I mean, I like a guy like Gorka is a gear if he was on form for this sort of race. I mean, sure, he could go well. Or Marc Soler, obviously a very good climber. So it, it's just hard to tell with, this, with those Spanish uh, teams what the what sort of form they're going to be in. Um, ah, well, I think we're pretty much at the end now, David. Um, what 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 do you what do you enjoy about the tour down under? Here's a here's an open form question. Is that well, as I've mentioned, as being in Europe, the the joy of getting up. That kind of perverse joy of lacking sleep for a full week. Uh, I like what the, uh, the sunshine's obviously good. Uh, looking from afar, uh, from a, a, a cold bed, uh, the racing is always fast. I thought, like the fact the stages aren't too long as well. You, you know, most of the stages are about 150 kilometers. Breakaways are controlled well. You know, it's, it usually uh, has a very exciting racing. The, the GC is always settled by, you know, under 10 seconds. Uh, and Wollonga Hill itself is a spectacular stage. I know they just do the same stage every season, but, you know, it really is a fantastic stage to watch. Uh, and it's always good to see the next kind of Australian sprinter come through. So we've seen kind of Robin McEwen before in the past, and now you're seeing Caleb Ewan. And it might get a bit boring, the fact that he's going to be favourite for all the sprint stages, but there is something beautiful in watching uh, you and sprint. He really does uh, improve year in, year out. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how, how much he's developed over the winter. Yeah, my, my takeaway from the last few seasons of the Tour Down Under has been, you know, how much it all just works. All the teams enjoy coming out for the race. It's all centrally located and easy for them to do their pre-season training alongside the race. Um, it's great for the fans. They get engagement with um, some of the biggest names in the sport. And as you said, the competition is always close and it's always, it always goes down to, goes down to the wire. It's never at the point where you can say, oh yes, you know, this guy's definitely got it won because, you know, even if he's on, um, you know, 90, you know, 90% form, he could be blown out of the water by somebody else. And it's always, yeah. And it's always a great spectacle, as you said, going up. Wollonga Hill and seeing all those fans screaming it's a bit like oh it's it's as close to the Tour de France as we get here in Australia so it's it's certainly a race that I think every well every cycling fan in Australia looks forward to unfortunately we don't have quite the same mainstream cut through as other sports but 
it's yeah, it's our Tour de France in Australia. So onwards and upwards for the TDU, and I think we'll just call it a day there. Um, David, do you want to promote any of your twittering or um, YouTubing these days? What what's on well, if you if you if you're brave, you can follow me on Twitter at CyclingMo, but you've got to be brave to do that. Yeah, and if you if you send a tweet off him, don't don't be afraid. If oh, don't be expecting praise. You you're just as likely to get abuse. So <laughs> be careful there. I will actually um on your YouTube, you um you said I will pull you up on one mistake you made there. Um, you said um the man ringing the bell there. No, that was a woman. I actually away She's a, she's um she's from Scotland as well. She's a com a commissaire and she does a lot of the South Australian events and. Uh, <sighs> I'll, I'm not going to show that video because she'll be most most pleased. <laughs> she looked a bit manly. <laughs> oh, she's just got she's got short hair. I, mean, uh, anyway. I bet I'll, I'll make a full apology to her. <laughs> anyway, um, you can join the conversation with the Breakdown Podcast on Twitter. I've been doing um, race updates for the women's tour as much as possible. And with today's road stage, I'll try and do the same again, although this will probably go up after the road stage. So disregard that entirely. Um, you can also find us on Facebook and we'll post um, updates of when episodes come out. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us and we'll catch you around some other time. Cheers. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye.